And I want to just talk to you a little bit, because that's what we're in the middle of this week when we talk about uh, missions. And I want, to, I want to just share with you just for a, a few minutes, um, and I want you to look with me in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 24, and Jesus is saying this, He's talking about signs of the end of the age. I think all of us can understand we're at the end of the age. I mean, my goodness, look at the news reports coming out of the Middle East. Look what's going on. I mean, Iran, Syria, uh, Russia. Uh, I mean, these countries are mentioned by name in the Bible. I mean, Russia is the bear of the north. I mean, he talks about Gog and Magog. I mean, they, they, we're, listen, this is, this is Meshach and Tubal. We're, these are names of nations or people groups. And we're seeing them. They're in the news. And uh, we're living in that day. So this is the end of the end time. And he says this about the end time. In verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony among all nations, and then the end will come. Now, Ross both this last Sunday talked a little bit. This la- last night, he stepped into it beautifully. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to teach and impart something into the church. Okay, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. Because traditional missions is only about a few dollars going to some place in another part of the world. And I do it more as a, as a sign of sentiment than I do as an act of faith. All right? It's more of, okay, I'm just giving a few bucks to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because they're doing something good over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. I'm doing my thing. That's not what we're talking about. All right? We're talking about making a commitment, not just, now we took commitment cards on on uh, Sunday. I hope every single one of you turned in a commitment card, not because we're after your money. All right? <coughs> We're after your heart. What is Jesus after? Boy, sure got quiet in here. Just, just, a, just the oxygen just left the room. I'm sensitive to that. Because why? Listen, because commitment, we're, we're expressing commitment financially, but commitment financially follows commitment of the heart. You get the heart, guess what? The money follows. The wallet follows. What happened to your stepmom? Her heart, boom. First thing she did, she wants to give. She wants to give. Remember, Zacchaeus climbs up into a tree. His heart gets touched when Jesus says, I'm going to your house. First thing he does is money. He says, if I've taken anything from anybody wrongly, I'm going to give it back to him. And I'm going to start doing this and this and that. Bang, it happens. Why? His heart was touched. So when we start talking about missions, we're talking about our hearts. Our hearts being broken open for the world that doesn't know Christ. Our hearts being open. Yes, our pocketbook will follow our heart. Where our heart is, our treasure will be. Where our treasure is, our heart will be. Ross was laughing last night because both of those things are true. Uh, The Bible actually says, where your heart is, your treasure will be. But uh, he said, he talked to a a pastor one time and he said, I just have a hard time uh, with with missions. He said, I just have a really hard time. I, I really don't have a lot of a heart for missions. He said, I can fix that right now. Write a $10,000 check. Just take out your, your checkbook and write a $10,000 check. And I promise you, as soon as you start giving that check, your heart's going to start following. And there's a lot of truth to that. 
Because when our heart gets hard and we take an act of faith, it, it does begin to follow. But when our heart is already open, it immediately you want to give. You want to do something. You want to make a difference. And so when we talk about this, make sure that it's not just about money. Okay? Money is a piece of it. But it's about our hearts. Is my heart beating with the heartbeat of Christ? I mean, I, 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 I don't know how it grabbed you, but Sunday morning when I saw that video about in India and what we're involved in in India, and you see, but you look at those kids and you look at their, and not just the fact that they're hungry and poor and all the rest of the stuff, that's sad enough. But when you think about the redemptive value of a soul, you think about the fact that God, sends his son to die for lost humanity. And you think about all of that stuff that's going on in their life. It's only a manifestation of their lostness and the lostness of the culture in which they were born into. You say, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. And so this gospel of the kingdom gets preached in all the world. The king is Jesus. His kingdom is manifested in his mercy and his grace and his goodness and his kindness and his uh, blessing and his favor on all of our lives. That's the way His kingdom is manifested. This gospel of the kingdom is preached. Uh, what is it that brings men and women to Christ? It's the goodness of God, the Bible says, that brings men to repentance. Well, they begin to see King Jesus being exalted and His wonderful uh, grace and goodness demonstrated. It opens people up. It opens people up and unlocks people. Uh, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness or a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So I want to talk a little bit about, just for a few minutes, about the scope of our mission. What is the scope of our mission? What is it that we are called to? If we are indeed an apostolic and prophetic church, what is the scope of our mission? Um, now, I've, I've taught this again and again. Ross talked a little bit about it last night. He defines it a little bit differently than I do. I mean, fundamentally it's the same. But there are three groups of people. If you were here, if you were there last night, you heard something similar. There are three groups of people. And the scope of our mission, really, as an apostolic church, is directed towards three groups of, of people. First of all, it is directed towards unchurched. What is an unchurched person? Our city is filled with unchurched people. That is, people, more than 50% of the people who say they're Christians in our city. Don't go to church. They're not a part of the, the, the mission of God. They're not a part of what God is wanting to do on planet Earth because they're disconnected. They've disfellowshipped themselves. Okay? And so, you know, uh, the Catholic Church talks about excommunication. We've got people that don't have to have someone excommunicate them. They excommunicate themselves. They've disconnected themselves. They're unchurched. Are, do they know the gospel? Yes. I'm talking about people that have saved, are saved, have at one point in time had a profession of faith, but they're disconnected. They are the unchurched. There is a second group of people. That is the unevangelized. The unevangelized. The unevangelized are people that have never yet heard the gospel or in a uh, relevant way. Let me put it that way. They've not heard the gospel in a way that, they can, that was relevant, that they understood. That they, they capture what? We were talking about that. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. 
statements that oftentimes more traditional old line Christians are, you know, hey, are you washed in the blood? Yeah, they, Mike was just saying, or, or my mother-in-law would say, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You're like, what in the world? I don't even know what that means. Unevangelized. They don't have, the gospel's not been presented in a relevant way to them. Last night, people's eyes were, boom, opened. Now, let, let me tell you something. I don't traditionally, I don't, I don't typically, let me put it this way, I don't typically give altar calls in the way that I used to give altar calls. Why? Because I'm trying to connect with people where they are now, okay? There used to be ways that I gave them, and I'm not saying I'll never give them. Cindy and I had this discussion Sunday after church. I'm not saying I won't do this ever again in the more... You know, raise your hand, come forward. You know, you got to do it this way. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to say, where we are as a culture, now if we're really serious about reaching unevangelized people, you got to connect with them where they are. A millennial generation right now doesn't want to be called out and put on the spot in front of God and everybody. Okay? What they want to do is they come to faith in a different way. When we moved to England, I remember, and altar calls and the, the way that we do them is an American phenomenon. I will tell you that. America primarily has been the push for that. Nothing wrong. I don't want to get into a major discussion. That's not the point of this. But the fact of the matter is that much of the world doesn't do it that way. All right? The church worldwide still has people coming to Christ by the droves. But they don't do it that way always. So we shouldn't get stuck in a particular pattern of how we give the gospel. Let's make sure we give the gospel in a way that it can be heard, understood, and received, and we give people every opportunity to receive. Ross talked about last night, our job is to first proclaim, second, to make sure they understand, and then the third is that there is a response to the gospel, and that part is not my job, it's their job. Okay, My job is to make sure I proclaim it, and make sure they understand it. Their job is then to believe. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring conviction on what is preached. Okay? And so that's the unevangelized. But there's a third category. And we don't hear a lot of talk about this in American churches. And that is the unreached. The unreached. You see, the unevangelized, the unchurched have had the gospel. And yes, we are called. We want to make sure we bring in people who are unchurched. We're doing that pretty much on a regular basis. Unevangelized people. We are seeing on a less frequent basis people who are not saved coming to know the Lord. That beautiful girl, Lauren. I mean, she's just gorgeous girl. She's just young. But she's like, she's on the front row. This is like her third Sunday. Like, just beaming, beaming. But she was totally without God, totally lost, and God turned her life around. Tormented, Tormented, yeah, before Christ, and God broke into her life. She was unevangelized, but she's been seriously won to Christ. But the third group is the unreached. Now, what is the difference between the unevangelized and the unreached? The unevangelized have available to them the gospel in in a way they can understand it. In other words, there's a church in their culture, there's a Bible in their language, there is somebody who can proclaim truth to them. But there's a whole new group, another group of people out there who are the uh, unreached. 
where there is no Bible in their language, where there is no church in their culture. Now, when we start talking about doing what Christ says and this gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world as a witness and then the end shall come, it is most, if most pointedly about the unreached. In other words, we're doing nothing to bring closure to the Great Commission until we focus our attention on the unreached. If this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world as a witness among every nation, and again, he's not talking about geopolitical nations, he's talking about ethnic groups, then that gospel must be proclaimed in a relevant, passionate way among people who have no gospel witness in their culture, no Bible in their language, no church that's readily available to them. Yes, I mean, it's huge numbers of people. There is a mass swath of humanity that does not have the opportunity for what you and I take for granted every single day. You can get in your car, turn on your radio. America, I mean, I thought Ross presented it in a most beautiful illustration last night. As he said, how many of you are hungry? The whole place raised their hand. So he goes down the road. Okay, here's you some fish and bread. Here's you some fish and bread. Here's you some fish and bread. How he's hungry. Okay, here's you some fish and bread. Here's you. And we kept going back down through the same people. America has a glut. We have a gospel glut. In fact, most of our problem is a gospel glut. We've got gospel gluttons as a result of the gospel glut. And we are not doing anything. When the, when the, the emphasis was believing or following on Sunday morning as Christy was given testimony. How many of you know that this is, the th- this is an issue of, of following How many of us will follow Christ into the mission? How many of us are going to take up what God has called us to and be a part of the mission? I I, I said this Sunday, I want to emphasize this. All of us, I've used the phrase, all of us are missionaries, but what I mean by that is this, that every one of us are connected to the mission. I said this Sunday, we are all called to be a part of the mission. We're all called to be a part of the mission. That does not mean that all of you will go to some other nation or go to the unreached. But some of you will go to the unreached. I prophesy. We're going to send people out of this church to the unreached. We're going to do it. I know that's what God called me back here for. God's putting me in my grace zone. And where is my grace zone? My grace zone is... When I start preaching these kind of things and start saying these things and start prophesying over our church, all of a sudden, boom, 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 stuff begins to happen and people begin to pop up that you never even thought about before and they begin to have the call of God on their life and they're like, here am I, send me. That's what we're going to see. That's what we saw in Virginia. That's what we're going to see here. And so what, what do we do? How do we respond to this? If we are truly going to be an apostolic church, then we have got to be committed to this. It cannot be just, you know, window dressing. It cannot be just niceties. It's got to be, we've got to be sold out to it. We have to be sold out to reach. Yes, we want to reach the unchurched. Yes, we want to reach the unevangelized. But we most definitely want to bring closure to the Great Commission. We want to be touching the unreached. How can I say, and Oswald he said Oswald Sanders last night. It was actually Oswald J. Smith, the pastor of the People's Church in Toronto, Canada, that made this statement. How, why should anybody hear the gospel twice till all the world has heard it once? 
Why should anybody get to hear it twice? Till all the world has heard it once. And listen, I believe this with all my heart. That if we will commit to reaching the unreached, God will blow on our efforts in a whole new dimension to reach the unchurched and the unevangelized. I believe that. I believe that that is fundamental to the releasing of the blessing and the power of God. I believe the reason we were blessed, so supernaturally blessed in Virginia, is because we had an absolute solid commitment to reaching the unreached with the gospel. That our commitment was in our sending out of people was to the unreached. That our priority one was to make sure the gospel went to the unreached. Where churches could get planted where there was no church in their culture. Where the gospel could be preached. The Bibles. I mean, we got into Bible translation with uh, Summer Institute of Linguistics, which is an arm of Wycliffe Bible translators. We partnered with them in the writing of the Dong version of the Bible. We were able to see that Dong version completed and available, hallelujah, for the glory of God. We've been able to see among the Dong people, which was one of the unreached people groups, uh, churches now planted and people come to know Christ. Now over 3,000 believers amongst the Dong. We've seen leaders raised up. We've seen an, an indigenous church planted amongst the Dong. And so I want to challenge you with this today. You pastors, understand <coughs> understand the difference. And there is a huge difference between simply reaching the guy down the street who is unchurched or unevangelized and the unreached who've never heard the gospel. Now, do we have, is that limited to some place on the other side of the planet? No. Guess what? For the first time in humanity's history, we are seeing mass migration of people groups who have never heard the gospel. And they're coming now. We're seeing, it's, it's happening in China. One of the things, what was, he, what was the numbers he said of people that Ross said had come from, I don't think he said it last night, but he said it in, in general conversation, uh, from the rural areas in China. Mass, mass migration, like 100 million people, was it, in the past short period of time that have moved from rural areas into cities in China. I mean, we're seeing mass migration. And guess what? America is now a mission field. America is a mission field. If you look at statistics, you can look at most, many, many unreached people groups have the maybe the largest proportion of their population lives in one other part of the world, but the second largest po- part of their population lives in America. You look at the Khmer people, or you look at... at uh, 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 What's the group of people? There's huge groups that are numbered among the unreached that have been brought here to America. Now, why would they get brought to America? Just so they could get better living conditions? No. So they could get the gospel. Are we targeting them? Are we doing something to make a difference? And I want to say this again to our pastors. Because I believe that this is at the heart of the blessing of God. I believe if we will commit to this, if we will say yes to this, God will say yes to blessing us. Because the blessing 
follows our obedience. And this is clearly an act of obedience we are saying yes to. When we say, God, do something through our church. God, do something in our people. God, raise up wealthy people among us. We are blessed to be a blessing. Where are we looking to be a blessing? To people who have not yet heard. Make them your priority. Make them your focus. And I, I, I want to just give that to you. Uh, this is at the heartbeat of what it means to be an apostolic church. And we're going to begin in earnest. I, want to, I'm, I am believing God by His grace to plant 100 churches up and down the I-4 corridor. But I'm going to tell you something. That vision takes second place to, the pri- to priority one of reaching the unreached with the gospel. That's going to take second place. I want with everything that's in me, I want to reach the unreached. Uh, one of the things that Scott and I've talked about is and in Colombia, unreached people groups in Colombia, indigenous people. Put, Downloaded some photos to show you in an hour. Hallelujah. Unreached people groups in Colombia. Yeah. Nicole Banta's right down there. I mean, God wants to do something through us. And it's going to mean a change of mindset. It means a change of priorities. But I believe when we do, we're going to get favor and blessing from God like we've never had before. i give you one last thing, and I, I will encourage you with this to just as a, a follow-up. Many of you may not be aware of what we're, uh, you know, even this may be new to you. And I said, I showed this last night at the end of, of Ross's talk. Look up joshuaproject.net. Look up joshuaproject.net. Joshuaproject.net chronicles all of the uh, unreached people groups globally. It says it tracks how well the efforts are to reach those people groups. The ones that don't have anybody who has adopted them. You know, and I, I'd encourage every church. You know, a park district, at Una, Port Orange, us at Markham, our other community, to adopt an unreached people group. Adopt. Adopt one. And when me, you can't do them all at once, but you can adopt one. You can make it your prayer focus. You can make it your giving priority. These are things that we need to be a part of. And so, by the grace of God, let's build a powerful church for His kingdom. Let's see God glorified through what we build. Father, I just thank you for every leader. I thank you for their commitment to your cause. And I pray that as we move forward, may we move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to raise up men and women. And and Lord, I think about some of our teenagers in the church and some of them, Lord God, in the school and Lord, people that you you could raise up, put your hand on. Lord, what you said to us years ago when Sandy and I first pastored this church is still yet waiting to be fulfilled. And that is that there would be from this church uh, people that would touch the nations of the earth. May we see a mighty army raised up that will glorify you by bringing this gospel of the kingdom to the entire world among every nation Lord, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.